Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 22nd of June 2021 as part of our Sustainability and the Vineyard Conference. There are many more sessions like this to listen to and many more podcasts. Just search for Sustainable Wine on your podcast app. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Just to remind you, this is the soil panel. So we're all about measuring and managing soil health and working out how to have healthier and more climate resistant soils. So if you do uh, did want to kind of head over or catch the grape growers conversation or the vineyard labour, then they are um, on different links. You can get those from your agenda. So I'm joined by um, some pretty prestigious people this uh, this afternoon. So we've got uh, three lovely people from uh, the Naturally Bordeaux group, Eloy, Marie-Laure and Lisa, and also uh, Jane Rickson, so Professor of Soil Erosion and Conservation from Cranfield uh, University. So in a little second, I'll get you all to introduce yourselves and organisations and see everything that you're doing in your vineyards and organisations. But I think just as a brief um, topic opener, I suppose, is uh, a little thing in terms of soil. I think it's uh, very important that we find finally seeing an increasing awareness that soils are a non-renewable resource and a uh, very prevailing role of soils in climate change mitigation at the minute have spurred worldwide efforts to protect and improve soil health. Um, it's my personal belief that soil is one of the true elixirs of life. Without soil, we have no food. And most importantly, we have no wine. So it's a, a really important topic that uh, we do get to, to, to discuss today. And um, one of the most interesting facts I came about recently was that um, recent estimates indicate that 36 billion tonnes of soil are lost annually due to water and, and wind erosion alone, which I find a staggering um, amount and uh, total. And besides erosion, soils are threatened by a number of different things, you know, including nutrient imbalances, salinization, sodification, loss of biodiversity, and a whole range of other things that hopefully we get to talk about in today's panel. So uh, without further ado, I'll hand it over to Jane. Would you mind to go first to introduce yourself and, uh, and what kind of things you're working on briefly? Thank you, Lauren, and good afternoon, everybody. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here and to, to speak with you all. So thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, my name is Jane Rickson, and uh, I'm Professor of Soil Erosion and Conservation at Cranfield University in the UK. Um, I've been working now for over 35 years in, in applied soils research, and my work looks at um, the properties of soil that make it able to deliver all these amazing ecosystems, goods and services that we get from soil, not only food and drink production, obviously the drink production we're going to be talking about today in, in the conference, but also other things like climate change, um, mitigation, water regulation, biodiversity and cultural services as well. So everybody thinks of soil as this brown, muddy stuff. But actually, there's this wonderful quote that says that the, um, the thin layer of soil on the Earth's surface is the difference between extinction and survival for most terrestrial life. And, and it doesn't become more important than that. So I'm really interested in soil properties, what makes soil healthy, what, go, what happens when things go wrong, like soil erosion and compaction, and how we can work with farmers and growers to try and control some of those degradation um, processes uh, in a very sustainable way. So it's got to be economic as well as environmental and social. 
So thank you, Lauren. I think I've witted on for long enough. So I'll no, not at all. Not long <laughs> enough. I'm definitely going to be excited about uh, bringing in some of the research projects that you've worked on and uh, various different techniques that you can share with us in sure. the wine world to to kind of have an advantage. So um, also, I think uh, just quickly to people, as somebody mentioned earlier in another session, that uh, soil is the hidden half of nature. I just thought that was such a nice saying to to think about. Um, so yes. Uh, Eloy, maybe I can uh, mention, send you, send over to you. Yes, hello, good afternoon, everybody. So um, I'm uh, Eloy Jacobs, the uh, general manager of Chateau Fourcassostin in Listrac Medoc, uh, on the left bank of Bordeaux, between uh, the river and the ocean. Um, we we are um, part of. Uh, a small group with uh, Marie-Laure and, and Lisa, uh, naturally Bordeaux, with the same philosophy, uh, trying to take care of what we do in the vineyard. And on um, Chateau Fourcassostin with the owner, uh, Renaud and Laurent Mobija, two brothers, uh, we have been working hard to respect uh, our terroir to look for the best practices to respect this terroir. So we, are, uh, we have 50 hectares in two blocks on two different terroirs. Uh, one terroir of clay and limestone and one terroir of gravel soils with uh, clay. And we have converted all the property in organic. And we also are working biodynamically and uh, we we want to understand what our soils need and what we need to do to prevent them for the for the future. Amazing. Thank you for that. Over to you, Marie-Law. Uh, I'm the general manager of Chateau Jeanfort. Chateau Jeanfort, we are on the right bank in Saint-Emilion and especially in the bo at the border between uh, Saint-Emilion and Pomerol. We, we are very lucky because here the neighborhood is um, fantastic. We have Cheval Blanc, Pijac, and uh, Evangile from Pomerol. So we are not because we have a, a beautiful terroir and we have a, a clay um, soil. And uh, when the owner bought Chateau Jean in 2004, the family de Selle, they realized that uh, we have uh, vines here since more than uh, 400 years. And they would have to preserve the, the soil and to transmit it in, um, in the better shape that, than I found it. So we work a lot um, on the soil. We are um, certified um, organic and uh, we are also certified biodynamic. And uh, the first step uh, we chose to, to enter in the, this philosophy is the... the all the, the work we have made uh, on the soil. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's uh, you all certified quite in the in a couple of years between each other, I, I understand. So it's uh, an interesting journey that you've all been part of at the same time. Yes. Pretty interesting. Over to you, Lisa. So, hello, everybody. I'm Lisa. I'm working at Chateau de la Dauphine. 
And uh, Chateau de la Dauphine, it's like Chateau uh, Jean Fort. We're on the right bank of Bordeaux in Fronsac, the appellation. And the vineyard, uh, it's 53 hectares. And uh, at la Dauphine, we have a very interesting uh, and the finest terroirs in the appellation with clay, Asterated limestone and uh, others. Uh, we are organic. Uh, we started in 12 to have the certification in 15. And uh, we have uh, reinforced our environmentally friendly philosophy with the biodynamic management. And we obtain uh, various environmental certifications like the uh, level uh, three high environmental value. And so thanks to this approach, this work, um, uh, we try to do the best uh, to respect all forms of life. And uh, we do a plot by plot vinification. And so always the best to preserve the, the nature, the flora and the wildlife. For any English speakers out there, the Hodvalo Environmental is the HVE or HEV uh, awards, just, uh, just as a bit of a background info there. Only reason I know about it is because Chateau uh, is also HVE3, so good job. <laughs> so I think we'll kick off with uh, one of the hot topics, which is all about uh, climate resilience and climate change. I think Eloy, you personally at um, at uh, Forecast Houston have done quite a lot to, to help your soil be more climate resilient with uh, various different varietals that you're planting. Can you explain a little bit more about what that project entails and what you do? Yes, um, on the, as I said before, on, uh, in the winery, we have two terroirs. Uh, they are completely different. Uh, gravelly soil with clay, uh, more classical of the left bank, and uh, also clay and limestone soils, uh, more similar as the right bank. And uh, we don't work exactly the same on both terroir for different reasons for the changement of climate first but also for the adaptation of the variety to the soil uh, on clay on limestone soil uh, which are uh, cold terroir we have um, varieties that uh, need less uh, warm temperature to reach maturity like merlot and also the white varieties because we produce white wine on two hectares. So Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Gris and Sémillon. And uh, we also planted Cabernet Franc uh, because uh, this variety is re really uh, sensitive to the warm condition. So Cabernet Franc needs water. So clay is a good uh, reservoir of water, reserve of water. And on the gravel soil, which is warmer soil, uh, we, we plant Cabernet Sauvignon, which need more uh, temperature to reach maturity, and, uh, and also Petit Verdot. So this is the first step, adapt our varieties to the soil. And after, in our practices, daily practices, we work with um, natural, I will say, fertilizer like green manure. We we um, we have cover crop, so we uh, we say we sow 
seeds to adapt it to the different kind of soil in order to bring nitrogen or to bring decompaction of soil for different reasons. And it's not similar on all the plots. It's, uh, it's it depends on the soil and also on the behavior of the plot. If uh, one plot needs more nitrogen, we bring plants that can bring nitrogen like beans, for example. And if we need decompaction of soils on uh, really uh, on clay, for example, that can be really difficult to work, we use uh, some uh, cereals to decompact the soils. So we really adapt uh, this, uh, this different uh, cover crop to the way we want to manage uh, the soils. Do you also have a certain microclimate between your parcels and then you, you're having to adapt and plant different cereals and different varietals according to what's happened over the past five to ten years? Um, in terms of microclimate, we are not so far. The plots are less than two kilometers. So we have quite the same climate on all the properties. With one big difference is the kind of soil that is colder with clay and limestone and warmer with uh, gravel. So that's because of the kind of soil that we have like a microclimate because uh, uh, in clay soils you have um, bigger reserve of water and uh, in gravel soil, lower reserve of water. So for example, for young plots on gravel, we will uh, destruct the cover crop in order to have less concurrence with the vines because we are at high density plantation. And uh, on clay and limestone, we will bring more cover crop to make competition but also to help us to work with our tractor in the in the plots because uh, it's uh, slippery when it's uh, rainy. So we need uh, we need uh, grass to limit the compaction of the of the tractors also in the plot. Yeah, of course. I also understand uh, Marie Law at uh, Chateau Jean Fort. You're also doing quite a lot with planting cereals. Is that yes. correct? And how that's helping yes. with with everything. It's quite the same, but it's not the same soil and the same variety, but we have quite the same philosophy. Here, the, the main variety is Cabernet Franc. And as Eloi said, Cabernet Franc is very interesting for the future because uh, it's fresh and uh, we haven't uh, too much alcohol with uh, Cabernet Franc. Here, we have a problem with Merlot, perhaps, because when Merlot is uh, very ripe, overripe, uh, we have more than 15 degrees alcohol. So we try to find a variety adapted to the future. And uh, Cabernet Franc seems to be the good solution because Cabernet Franc is well balanced and the, 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 alcohol, is not, the alcohol is not too, too important. But we have a problem. Cabernet Franc is very sensitive to hydric stress. So we have to find a solution between the variety and the soil. So that's why here this variety is quite adapted to, to our soil because in this part of Saint-Emilion, we have a lot of layers in the soil and the, the first layer is sand. And after that, we have big layer with clay. But the first layer is very useful because the, the sun 
can um, go through the, the the first layer and uh, and the the, um, the soil is uh, is hot so it's good for dryness and after that the the roots are able to explore all the laser the layer and the roots are able to be in the clay and clay is like a, a water tank in fact yes in uh, in uh, bordeaux we have very wet springs and during the spring the the clay are like a, a tank they stock all the water and during the the summer or the drought period they are able to to provide uh, the plants with water so we have to find a solution that uh, in order to to explore this layer with clay so we work on the on the variety and we work on the rootstock in order to have the good rootstock able to go at the at the center of this layer of uh, of clay so we have changed the 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 rootstock in order to have some rootstock uh, more stronger and uh, with a, a lot of roots in order to explore the the soil and the the soil more deeper and uh, we work um, also of the on the structure of the soil so um 15 years ago we stopped the herbicide and uh, we began to to work uh, in the soil with uh, a system to Comment vous dites travailler le sol Les lames To work under the vines. Sorry To work under the vines with like yes. deer singing? Just under the vines. And uh, we, we want to have a lot of uh, grass and we, we shoot the grass and we shoot all the, the plants we, we saw. And uh, we saw some cereals and some, uh, and some leguminous. We, we, we have a lot of leguminous in order to have a lot of nitrogen and we have cereals in order to, to use the roots of the plant to structure the soil and to decompact the soil. And uh, when we are able to have some oxygen, we also have a lot of life in the soil and uh, ears warm and uh, all the insects are, are able to structure the soil. So they are able to, we have some compacted structure and we have some other structure more, more sweet. And uh, it's, uh, it's easier for, for the roots to penetrate in the, in the soil. So we work a lot with that. We are able now to adapt the selection of the, of the varieties of the, of the plants. And uh, we use the... Uh, four or five um, different cereals in order to, to use the property of each, each one. Mm -hmm. So we work a lot of that. And uh, the, the, the other um, things that uh, we are able to, to do with the soil now, now and so we, we are able to manage the, um, the water um, using... Uh, Comment vous dites drainer? Grain. 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 Using grain. At the beginning, we only had some drain in order to, to go to go away. 
go away <laughs> in order to water away yes but now we are able to manage the system and during the the drought period we are able to to keep a part of the water in the drain interesting so, yeah it's the, the the new step yeah no i think water inherently is very linked with soil so it's about especially with the uh, advantage of, of, of climate change is that we are getting more drought seasons. So perhaps those more wet areas in viticulture, yes. such as Bordeaux historically, now also have to think about drought periods. So what was originally drainage is now actually useful because we need the water to keep it for those uh, for those drought areas. So it's impressive impressive what you're working on. And um, in terms, of, I've actually got a quick question in from uh, Fred on the chat, which is to do with your cover crops. Um, what machines um, are used to cut in your cover crops? Is it disc plows, mowers, or in fact, do you cover um, and do you use sheep um, in the winter to to cut your uh, to cut your cover crops? Liga as sheep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we have sheep. It's uh, in fact, I think it's a combination of all these uh, practices. We don't do the same on all the plots because we don't have exactly the same terroir. You have some uh, uh, terroirs that don't need the big concurrence between grass and vines, so we disrupt completely the, with uh, uh, disc blocks, for example. Some plots you need to keep uh, uh, grass in order to be able to go with your tractor so you use the mowers and uh, when you want to keep big concurrence uh, during the beginning of the season for example we we use ships uh, dur during the winter to in order to clean but after to let the grass uh, uh, grow uh, during all the season so for us, it's depending on the plot, on the way we want to manage the plot. A mixed approach. And Lisa, you have sheep? Yes, so we will have them at the end of the year. Uh, like Ilwa said, uh, say, um, said during the winter, uh, after the harvest and before the first buds. And uh, so they will uh, eat the grass and also to unpack the, uh, the soil and the uh, always and uh, the link with the footprint carbon also and for example uh, we let grass also we have cereals so depending about the plots uh, we let them or we uh, we don't let them depending if uh, the vineyard has uh, or needs uh, nutrients uh, so we do always uh, samples of different plots thanks to these samples we will see if the, uh, the plots uh, have uh, deficiencies and depending on that, we will adapt uh, the cereals that we will plant and also uh, the link with the, with the sheep when the, they will come, but just during the winter after the harvest because we don't want to eat the grapes or the birds. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Lucky sheep if they do get to eat the grapes <laughs> and the flowers. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, it, is a, it is a common practice in a lot of uh, very naturally focused uh, viticulture producers to have sheep. So they also help to compact the ground in as well. So um, amazing. Uh, Jane, in your experience, um, how important do you feel cover crops are and possibly a zero tillage approach 
in, in agriculture in general? Oh, that's that's a huge question. But, um, <laughs> thank you for that. Sorry. <laughs> so, so cover crops are, are extremely important for all sorts of reasons. Uh, you mentioned about climate resilience and actually uh, people are very interested in climate um, cover crops being able to take CO2 out of the atmosphere. So they're actually able to sequester some atmospheric um, carbon dioxide, which then they obviously take into the root structures of those plants. Um, where they're able to then store this organic matter, this, this carbon within the rootstock, and that provides feedstuff to all the biology, underground biology that, that, that we've spoken about. So cover crops, uh, and also cover crops are really important because they protect the soil from soil erosion. Uh, cover crops are able to um, um, uh, intercept rainfall. We're going to have more extreme rainfall events, very high intensity, longer duration, more frequent rainfall events. And if you've got a cover crop there, then they're able to absorb that rainfall, take, make, allow that rainfall to take much longer time to actually get down into the soil. So that reduces effectively the intensity of that rainfall. And if you're taking the energy out of the rainfall, then you're having less risk of soil erosion. So cover crops are really, really important. They sequester the carbon, they store the carbon, uh, they help to control runoff losses. We've, we've spoken a lot about the importance of retaining moisture during these drought periods. And again, if you're able to um, retain that moisture within the soil, um, so much the better. Um, so we've got above ground benefits of cover, cover crops and also below ground um, cover crops. And we've done quite a lot of work looking at evaluating different um, species because they diff have different architectures above the ground and below the ground, really, really important. Because I think there is a perception by many growers that cover crops compete with the main crop. And you can select species, as, as my colleagues on the panel this afternoon have shown, that uh, not only do not compete with the main crop, but also actually add nutrients, particularly nitrogen, if you're using leguminous species. But I would also think about the physical benefits that cover crops are bringing underground because they have different root traits. Some are surface rooting, some are deeper rooting then you can use that to your advantage to get a mixture of different root architectures to give you this ability to both drain the soil when you need to drain it, but also retain that moisture when you need it during the summer months in particular. Um, so yes, there's a lot of benefits. There's a lot of evidence, scientific evidence out there uh, that cover crops work, but there is this perception by many growers that they will compete. And I think it's, you know, we talk a lot about regenerative agriculture. What we're looking for is species that are able to improve soil conditions rather than compete. Then coming back to your other point about zero tillage, again, yes, very, very important. And again, people are nervous about using zero tillage because they think that's going to lead to compaction because you're not creating this nice, loose, um, soil profile where you'll allow root development. Um, but the thing is, allow the soil time to structure itself. Because once you get the biology in there, once you get those aggregates stabilizing, coming together, then you'll start to build the structure, which the roots can then exploit. Um, and as I say, if you keep 
destroying that structure every year through cultivations or every however many years through cultivations, you've lost all of that good work that the biology, the worms, the microorganisms have been building up over time. And I know it's a, it, it's a challenge to take this long term view towards soil structure and soil health. But we need to get out the cycle of forever undoing the good things that we've done with soil by constantly cultivating or constantly disturbing the soil. And as I say, reversing all that goodness, all that structure, all that biology, all that organic matter that we're building up in the soil. Yeah, really, definitely, definitely really good points, especially on the structure and also with nature, I suppose it is, and especially with uh, with soil. It's a long term project that we all have to think about. Sadly, we can't just fix soil at the snap of our fingers. So it is a really, really important topic. You touched upon soil erosion on uh, one of your points then. I wanted to ask the winemakers here, how do you protect against soil erosion and how are you measuring uh, and managing this, if at all? So I'll go over to Eloy. Do you want to, do you want to take that one on? Yes. Um, we are lucky at Forecast Sustain because uh, uh, the, the, the vineyard is quite flat. We don't have... Uh, uh, big problem of erosion. Uh, however, we we keep uh, some cover crop on some plot because we sometimes have a small slope and we want to keep the the soil uh, in place and not move it. And particularly the last days, we had big rains in Bordeaux, and you can see the the vineyards that. So the wineries that work all their soils, the, the, the soil is down the plot and because, uh, because the, reg- the, the water fall, uh, bring everything down. So the cover crop, as said Jane, is a really good way to prevent from erosion because, uh, uh, for example, with the cereals, like we use uh, oat uh, at Focasostan, you have lots of fruits really it's a big density of uh, roots on the the soil the clay and the sun is fixed to these roots so when it's raining a lot uh, the cover crop won't go down but will keep the soil on the roots and prevent from big erosion and it's really important because if we keep the soil we keep also the life in the soil and uh, it's difficult to manage. It's not easy to manage grass in the plot. We have to adapt our practices to have the right tools to work, cut, to mow, to bend also. Sometimes we bend the, the, the cereals because this prevents from uh, evaporation. And uh, this is a way to cover all the soil. You let the, the cereals growing and after you bend them like this, so you don't cut, and it's it's like uh, uh, keeping the humidity in the soil, and also preventing from erosion. Interesting. Almost, I was discussing earlier about uh, mulching and green manure, and the idea of putting straw in between uh, in between the vines to suppress the weeds around the vines. But also, the idea was to keep moisture in. Yes. So it sounds like a similar similar approach, only that your actual cereals are growing and they're not dead. Sadly, <laughs> um, 
interesting you mentioned about kind of life there. I'd love to kind of talk more about um, like insect, fungal and perhaps bacterial life forms and how important they are in the soil as well. Um, Lisa, maybe you want to take that one on um, and, and Mary Law, and then we'll come to you, Jane, if you wouldn't mind um, for putting on that one. Uh, so, yeah, because um, we are sure uh, and uh, like we think together, it's everything is linked. So, for example, um, thanks to the organic and the biodynamic, the goal is to um, to recreate, to uh, to add uh, and to attract uh wildlife flora like uh, we said because because everything is linked so uh, we need to have birds insects and to protect uh, the vineyard uh, for example at la dauphine uh, we planted uh, 500 meters of ages why because uh, the goal is to attract birds and uh, thanks to those birds they protect uh, the vineyard against the disease, for example, uh, we have a um, bat nest also, because during the night when the, uh, the bats uh, fly all around the vineyard, they can eat uh, pests, for example. So that's why I said everything is linked. And thanks to the organic, the biodynamic, and the flora and the wildlife, we try to balance the, uh, the life in the vineyard. And the most important, because we said uh, insects, etc., but uh, we have also uh, the life that you cannot see inside the land and uh, on the la on the on the leaves, etc. And thanks to the organic and the biodynamic, the goal is to protect them. And when you have more uh, insects, etc., you will have a better vineyard. If you have a better vineyard, you will have a better grapes, a better wine, everything. So that's why the goal is to protect the land the things that you see and you don't see to obtain a better uh, life, etc. So that's why I said everything is linked and the goal is to protect everything and uh, to balance and to create a perfect harmony in between uh, the different things, uh, the human and the flora and the wildlife. A holistic approach to farming. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely becoming more and more popular and it does have that link with the life cycles. Amazing. Uh, Marie Law, do you have anything to add on the uh, bacterial, fungal, or yeah, biodiversity? It's the same for us. We, we haven't any problem with erosion. In fact, we have more problem with compaction. In fact, uh, in in Bordeaux, the weather is not so good in the, in the spring. So we have to treat a lot of time. And we, when you are organic, you can only use some contact product. So if it's raining, you have to treat a new time. So we need to, to, to go a lot of time in the, in the plot in order to treat. So we use cover crop in order to, to avoid this compaction because when you have a lot of grass, you have a lot of root, the roots are able to structure the soil. So the sand is not so compacted. So it's a way to protect the soil and it's a way to protect life in the soil. So we don't really use the, the cover crop for the erosion because we haven't any slope in, in our vineyard, but we use the, the, the cover crop in order to, to keep the structure and to avoid the compaction. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, you're all very lucky that you have uh, flat yes. surfaces to work with. I think, you know, our friends in Germany or Chile or Argentina, etc. are not so, uh, not so lucky with, with their soil erosion situations. Jane, do you know, if, is there any sort of like cutting edge technologies to help and control uh, like animal life, fungal life and bacteria life in soil and how to improve those? Well, before I answer that, may I just come back to the, the comment that Mary Law just, just mentioned? And, and, and it is very, very important that these cover crops do improve structure of the soil, which in itself will help the soil drain. So, so what we're after really in, in healthy soils is a combination of large pore sizes, large drainage, as well as small drainage. And the large drainage will help drain that soil so that you don't get problems of compaction. Most compaction is put in on wet soils, that farmers and growers are forced to go on soil when it's too wet because there are various operations that are necessary. So if we can help farmers and growers actually increase the drainage during the wet months in particular, so those soils are less wet, it's not gonna drain them out completely, but just if it's a few percentage, reduce the soil moisture content, then the compaction risk will be reduced as well. So I think that's really important. And then the other comment I would say is that cover crops also have a much higher tensile strength than the soil. So when you go on with your tractors, when you go on with your agricultural machinery, some of the energy, some of the torque, some of the tensile strength is imparted onto the vegetation rather than the soil. And what that means is that those, that loading, that loading from the tractor or the trailer or the spray or whatever it is, that is going to be absorbed by the vegetation rather than absorbed by the soil, which again will reduce your compaction risk. It's not going to take compaction out completely, but it will certainly make that difference that that compaction will be reduced. So having said all of that, now I've forgotten what the question was, sorry. <laughs> it was to, in your experience uh, and research, if you've yeah. come across any technologies or something that we could, as, as wine growers, take from you in terms of experience on how to improve bacterial life and fungal life within the yeah. soil. Okay, so I think this is this is the sort of sixty-four million dollar question. Because <laughs> it is. <laughs> there are good, there are good bugs, and there are bad bugs. And I know in viticulture, in particular, you know, you have a lot of bad bugs, but you also have a lot of good bugs. But I know those bad bugs can do a lot of damage. So I think that, it, that we've mentioned holistic a number of times. I think the important thing is that we create a habitat that is going to give us bi biodiversity. It's going to give us diversity such that if we have soil-borne pests or soil-borne um, uh, bad guys, microorganisms, we have enough biodiversity within the soil that it can be out-competed by the good bugs. Sorry, I'm using very simplistic language here, but I think that's the important bit. There is not going to be one silver bullet that will kill all the bad bugs in the soil. But the silver bullet is to build up enough diversity so that if you get those soil-borne disease, diseases and pests, there are enough beneficial organisms within your soil biota that will be able to outcompete those pests and diseases that I know you all dread and fear. And again, I would mention that a lot of those diseases and pests are a function of the moisture content of the soil. So again, getting that soil moisture right in the vineyard is so, so important, not only just in terms of the agronomy of the vine, but also in terms of management of that soil biology. And as I've mentioned, to reduce that risk of compaction. 
So again, I think Lisa mentioned it's all one big ecosystem. And as we change one thing, it's going to have knock on effects with other things. So I, I would say encourage the habitat that is going to give you that biodiversity within the soil. And what you've got below the ground is going to then feed what is above the ground. And as again, Lisa mentioned, this whole concept of the food chain from those microorganisms that we can't see right through to invertebrates uh, and then vertebrates and then above ground and the birds and the bats and the bees and so on. It's all interconnected. But I think at this time where we need more resilience to cope with these extreme weather events, we need more diversity. Yes, some may be killed through those extreme events, but we've got enough biodiversity to then fill those gaps within the ecosystem to replace those beneficials that we may be losing because of these extraordinary, extraordinary weather events that we are suffering. So sadly, no magic cure for any of us uh, to, to fix our soils for everything. It's more of a biodiverse approach. I have no doubt if there was a simple cure to this, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And um, leading on to that from uh, more of the biodiversity side of things, how do we get soils to play a part in disease resi resistance? I don't know if, uh, Eloy, you have any kind of comment on this in terms of disease resistance for you guys in Bordeaux? To help us against the disease in the vineyard, you mean? Yes. Um, on lots of different points, like say the uh, Lisa, um, for example, we have a, we have three main diseases in the vineyard in Bordeaux: mildew, botrytis, and oidium. I will say the two main ones are mildew and botrytis. Uh, and generally, it's due to humidity. Uh, too much rain on humidity. So one way is to have cover crop to pump this humidity during the spring, but also uh, just before harvest, for example, at Fourcastostin, just before harvest. So during summer, we work the soil on some plots because there is too much competition with all the grass, but just days before harvest, we we sow some seeds of cereals because if it rains, this is a cereal that will grow and pump all the rain and prevent uh, the vines to pump all this water and to bring botrytis in the grapes. So this, the cover crop is really a good uh, way to regulate the water in the soil. And as said Lisa, also one example against botrytis is to prevent from all the holes in the clusters that the caterpillars are doing. And so the bats in the vineyard, in the edges we plant, uh, are able to eat all the butterfly that will go on the cluster and uh, put eggs that will do caterpillars and eat our cluster. So it's a, it's a really a diverse biodiversity we need to bring in our vineyard. We, we won't be able to control everything, but we are sure that if we have a huge biodiversity, it will be regulated naturally. Back to that life cycle approach. Yeah. 
I know that you've done some work with uh, you. You've been digging a lot of soil pits and uh, doing a lot of soil analysis. Is there anything interesting that came from those analysis um, areas where you were going into different plots and doing that? Like, for example, did you see a build up too much of copper sulfates, for example? I mean, obviously, the three of you are organic uh, wine growers. So perhaps that's a topic we want to touch upon. Uh, you mean in the soil, the concentration? The concentration, exactly. We, it's the goal of all these pits is mainly to see the structure of the soil in order to decide which variety on rootstock we will be able to plant here by analyzing the soil, but also by thinking of the future, the changement of climate, uh, how will behave the soil with higher temperature in summer and with, with big rains in winter. So we have to find the right rootstock and uh, the right variety. So this is the main goal of all these pits because uh, in one plot, you can have different kind of soils. So you need to have different rootstock and maybe different varieties. But uh, of course, we do analysis of the soil. And uh, at, for Casostin, we don't have so much. The main difficulty is the copper. And we don't have so much copper in our soils. Uh, and in organic, we all think organic is using copper and it's not good for the environment. Of course, we are not uh, white. We are not perfect. But the quantity we use are really, really, really small. And uh, on what we are using yearly doesn't affect the concentration in the soil. It's more what was done before, where you didn't have a maximum to use. You could use uh, really big quantities. And this is this accumulation that we irritate now and that we take care not to reproduce it for the next generation. Jane, do you want to, to mention something there about, about copper and the buildup in, in the soils? Well, I, um, I think the important thing within any chemical um, that is being used on the soil, that, that is going to affect um, properties such as pH. And what we know is that, again, it's all interrelated, that your pH may well affect your uh, soil biodiversity, for example, which in turn will affect the activity of that biology, which might affect the glues and gums that those microorganisms exude, which help with aggregate stability, that helps with structure. So these things are all interrelated. Um, I'm afraid I'm not an expert in copper sulfate um, specifically, but I know that any chemical uh, that is being added to the soil, either naturally or artificially as part of the, the farming practices, is going to affect soil properties like pH, for example, but also things like cation exchange capacity, electrical conductivity, all of these characteristics of soil that will have an impact on the, on the physical, biological and chemical properties of soil, which all together equal soil health. Mary or Lisa, would you, would you like to interject specifically about the organic principles on, on copper and, and how it's measuring uh, in your vineyards? Or, or... I, I agree with, uh, with Eloi, the problem of copper is an historical problem and now we are really better than we were. But uh, we work a lot in order to reduce this quantity of copper. So we use a lot of uh, infusion 
and uh, we, we work with uh, mm, chamomile or achille or other plants in order to, to use this plant to reduce the quantity of uh, copper uh, sulfur. It's, uh, so we, we work a lot on that and it's a, a way to, to, to reduce the impact of this copper in the soil. But um, now we, we, we are able to, to, measure, to measure the, the, to control the, the quantity of copper. And uh, we are able to prove that the four kilo that we use each year is the quantity that the soil, when you have living soil, the soil is kept, it's able to, to, to combine or to, to use. So we are able to, to, see, to see that now. And uh, we tried to use some, uh, some uh, mustard because some mustard are able to capture the, um, the copper, but uh, for the moment it's too complicated. So it's just uh, an experiment. And uh, we planted some mustard and we move it, and uh, and um, the problem is now we have any solution with the the, the this mustard. We need to have a um, a system to to use the mustard and to uh, use the copper. But uh, it's the way to uh, to in order to to reduce the impact of copper in the in the soil. So we are working on that. Really interesting about mustard. I had no idea that uh, yeah. such a natural plant that we all enjoy uh, could have that effect on the reduction of copper. That's really, yeah. really interesting. I'll have to do some um, research. I've got a really good question in from uh, the chat from Daniela in that she'd like to ask the panel if there are some practical measurements that you recommend to track soil health and which <laughs> ones about soil microorganisms or soil biodiversity. Jane, would you like to take that on as a, as a first instance? <laughs> well, um, thank you very much for the question. And uh, I, I assume you know something about the soil science community because this is, this is a, this, we, we talk about this all the time, all day, every day. We talk about what should one measure to indicate soil health. And uh, there's, there's as many soil health indicators as there are soil scientists in the world, to be honest with you. And it's selecting the one that is most important. Uh, I, I could be here for hours justifying the use of different properties, but I will save you from that. Um, if I had to choose just one indicator of soil health, it would be your organic matter content of soil. And the reason I say that, what's my justification? It's because it affects things like your structure, things like your biology, things like your pore size distribution that I've mentioned, your nutrient cycling. So again, if I had to choose to just one thing, another reason is that it is relatively easy to measure um, in terms of it can be estimated by loss of ignition. You basically take a soil sample and you then burn off the organic matter content and the difference in the weight before and after gives you an indication of that organic matter content. So that to me is quite a simple, useful exercise uh, uh, in terms of monitoring soil health. Remember that's if I only had to choose one. The soil biology is, is problematic because 
it's quite easy to observe large organisms like earthworms, for example, or worms, um, which again, I think in some of uh, more arid areas, it's, it's not going to be possible to look at those. But the fungal and the bacteria microorganisms actually require quite sophisticated and difficult estimates uh, and measurements. There are lots of people uh, claiming that they can um, uh, do a colour chart, which will tell you how much biology is in your soil. But it's not just a, how much is there, but it's how active they are. So you can have lots of microbes, but if they're dead lazy, they're not doing anything for your soil. What's the point? Equally, you might have a very small population, but they are really, really busy turning over those nutrients, making that nitrogen available or, or those nutrients available. So that's the, the issue that we have with biology. It is very, very important, as all the panelists have said, but it is very, very difficult to measure accurately to give you a trend in that biology over time. So if I was pushed, I would go to organic matter content because I think that is quite rough and ready, easy estimate of how your soils are doing. But you as growers and farmers, you'll know whether your soils are doing well or not by looking at your crop to see what your yields are, what your quality of, of vines are, uh, is looking at. It's not just quantity of yield, but it's the quality of the yield. That's your most important indicator, I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting that you you pick the one which is uh, yeah the, the the organic soil matter. We actually didn't touch upon so much of uh, green manure or actually putting on decent manure itself as a as an actual functionality of this chat. But um, perhaps we've got five minutes left, so we could go there if you like, Lisa. I don't know if you want to add anything with any practical tips from um, a winemaking side of things, or sorry, a, a wine grower's side of things. Um, if you want to interject with that one or, or not, yeah, I'll leave no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Maybe Ilo? On the, sorry, can you repeat the... Or, uh, any practical measurements uh, that you use at the minute um, to measure, to track your soil health? Uh, first, it's uh, to do analysis uh, in our soils so we can look for the nutrients, the nitrogen, yeah. Uh, something simple, but something else we do is also to measure it in the grapes, in the wine. If there is no problem, everything is perfect. It's good. But if we have difficulties, <laughs> we go to, we go deeper and we can do analysis of leaves and shoots in order to analyze when we have the problem. Do we have the capacity in the soil? Do we have the nutrients in the soil on the plant as problem to, to have it? Or do we, and so we need to work the soil, to bring cover crop, to, to help the vines, to maybe prune differently. And if we don't have the nutrients in the soils, we need to bring them. So like nitrogen with some cover crop, we can bring natural ni nitrogen from the, from the atmosphere in the soil. So it's a really, uh, there is no clue, but it's observation and analysis on what we produce. Yes, of course, Jane. Sorry, I, I, I really like that, that answer because, you know, there's so much research of agronomic research looking at soil conditions and quantity yield in terms of tons per hectare or whatever 
the amount of work that's actually looking at soil properties affecting crop quality, uh, the actual the quality in the berries, the actual quality in the fruit. There's very little actually that relates what is going on in the soil to the quality. And I think actually viticulture is probably one of the, the most advanced uh, areas of science where this relationship between soil properties and quality of the crop is probably uh, better researched than a lot of other crops. And I think that connection really is a, a research gap. I would say that wouldn't I as a scientist, but there is a research gap between how we manage our soils, what they, how they perform and how that is manifest, how that's seen in the quality of the produce itself, not just quantity, it's quality. And I know many people on, uh, on, in this session, it's about the quality, it's not about the quantity. And I, I think that is a research gap that, that could be addressed. Absolutely. Also, Lisa pointed on it earlier with good, good uh, winemaking or good uh, grape growing, healthy plants equals good grapes, which makes good wine. There is, you know, no, we're not wine doctors. We can't go in and fix good grapes afterwards. So you really do need the plant to be healthy, the soils to give the plant the nutrients that it needs yes. in order yes. to make the good um, and really tasty and hopefully healthy wine that we're all drinking. So, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful part also to round up the session. We do technically have one minute left. So if anybody wants to interject or have any sort of remaining comments, uh, then please go ahead. No, we, we, we can say that uh, in our philosophy to have good grapes, you need healthy vines. And yes. uh, for that, we need living soil. So mm -hmm. we have to work a lot on living soil. And uh, if we have living soil, we have good wines. So yeah. we need both. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would certainly agree with that. I would certainly agree with that. And I think, you know, because photosynthesis is really, really important, it's very important to get those leaves developed healthily so that we can take in all that photosynthesis, which will then be manifest in the grape itself. So, uh, you know, again, getting that crop healthy does rely on good soil management. Absolutely. I could not agree with all of you anymore. I think there's been some really interesting facts. I'm definitely going to research mustard <laughs> um, and, and a few other things that we chatted about. Eloy or Lisa, do you have any final remarks? Uh, yes, just one. Please, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, thank you for everything. And just because uh, with Marie-Laure and Loa, we presented everything. And so uh, sure, we want you to, uh, to taste our wines and to discover all the work that we do with <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have only one thing to to add. We we speak a lot about the uh, health of our soils, the health of the people who drink the wine. So no, no, <laughs> nothing in our wines bad things. But also we think a lot about the health of our uh, employees, people that are working in the vineyard, and that's an important way to manage it, working organically and biodynamically to respect their work and what they are doing and their health. And so it's really important for us. It's one of the main points also of our conversion. 
absolutely definitely definitely agree there in actual fact on a completely other session at the same time as this was all about vineyard workers so all of these sessions are being recorded and they are going out onto a podcast format so seeing as though we missed that particular panel because we were all talking and uh, listening here then perhaps um, once they are actually uploaded you can head over to talk about and to listen to about vineyard workers but it's a very important point social responsibility is really incredibly important thank you so much for all of you uh jane and lisa thank you absolute pleasure and um yeah hopefully other people will enjoy this chat and we can take it further from there